When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined as usual by the Sunday Mail sports writer Scott McDermott. On the pod today, we look ahead to tonight's clash with Osijek and assess the Jers' chances of overturning the Croatian cracks. With Martin Waghorn said to be close to an £8 million move to Derby, little more than a year after a £250,000 move away from Ibrox, we ask, do Rangers sell on the cheap? And the Jers will take part in the much-vaunted reintroduction of the Reserve League. But has anything really changed? OK, Scott, well, where else to start but with tonight's game? Osijek in Croatia. They look a decent team. How do you assess Rangers' chances? Well, I've got a chance. Johnny, of course, they have. Um, I don't think Osijek, only one of Europe's... Uh, Leading lights. I mean, no, they deserve respect. Like every team in Europe now. I mean, it's. I know it's an old cliche, but there really aren't any easy games anymore. When you get into these Europa League or Champions League qualifiers, we know that Osijek uh, beat PSV home and away last season. Um, I looked at the looked at the lineups uh, for the, from those games. Yesterday, just out of interest, I mean, PSV are a really strong team. Guys like uh, Harving Lozano, the, the Mexican striker, who obviously shone at the at the World Cup. So that was a big result uh, for us. Is yet I think I think even um, their coach and that has admitted that that's the kind of biggest result in their in their history. But it was only a year ago, so it proves um, it proves that they're a decent side. Only a few weeks ago, albeit in pre-season, they comfortably beat. St Johnson, um, I think it was over in Austria, beat them three 0 um, and St Johnson are obviously a decent, a decent side in a Scottish context. So it's going to be a, a test. Don't doubt it'll be a diff- difficult place to go. Hot conditions, like it was in Macedonia uh, last week. But you know, Rangers under Steven Gerrard with this raft of new players, albeit that you no, know, these guys are still trying to settle in. But I think Stephen Gerrard said at his press conference yesterday uh, in Croatia that, that they're going there to win the game and that's the that's the right attitude, 100%. It's a game there that Rangers can go and win. However, if they were to come back to Ibrox with a, a nil-nil or a draw of any kind, um, then I'm sure he'd be, he'd be pretty satisfied. A couple of players that stand out for me in terms of Osijek, uh, Borna Barisic, the captain who was part of the 32-man squad before Croatia went to the World Cup, was narrowed down to 23, yeah. so he must be a player to get into that lot. They did reach the World Cup uh, final after all. And Ezekiel Henty, their striker up front, Stephen Gerrard in the press conference yesterday mentioned that he was pacey and he was powerful, yeah. uh, formerly of AC Milan. 
Uh, made a 5.5 million uh, euro move to Lokomotiv Moscow in February of 2016. Uh, didn't really work out from he's moved on then since then to Videoton of Hungary and has now been loaned out. But by all accounts, does have a bit about him. Certainly six foot one, built like a tank, and someone who could cause Rangers problems either through the centre or on the left. Yeah. One last thing about um, Osijek that I think is important. They've obviously signed two new defenders. Now, does that mean that Rangers, if they can get the forward third correct, the thing that Stephen Gerrard has highlighted as their problem in the last game, they've got a chance of getting to this lot because without some of their key players in the back line, having lost a couple of defenders in the summer transfer window, um, they've replaced them, but it's not been uh, a lot of time for them to bed those guys in. That's what I was going to say. I mean, the fact that they've had to go out and sign two defenders tells you that that that's an area they feel they need to strengthen in, but these guys were only signed in in the last day or two, so... A bit like Rangers, we, we guys like Ryan Kent coming in, for instance. It's no, you're asking a lot to, to put them in, but I think def- I think you can get away with it with a winger or a striker. No, in the attacking third, I think it's difficult when you're trying to bed in two brand new defenders. Um, when you want to be a kind of solid a solid unit and get a real understanding at the back, so it sounds as if they're going through a wee bit of transition as well in terms of players coming in and out. But what you would say about uh, any Croatian side and, and I've been to some away games in Croatia either with Scottish clubs or with Scotland uh, national teams uh, the Croats you're guaranteed technically they will be very good I mean honestly the, the pool of talent coming through in Croatia for a, a country that size is incredible I mean I, when I was over there uh, with Scotland under 21s got, got speaking to people from there kind of uh, kind of youth set up and stuff like that and honestly there's just a stream of young boys who are being plucked from clubs around Europe you know, if they don't start at Dinamo Zagreb or, or whoever you, know, you get teams from, from different leagues coming in and getting them So It's funny that, that Nikola Katic is like the first time a Rangers or Celtic has really properly plundered that league since yeah. Mark Viduka maybe Aye maybe Because there's so much talent like you say there's so Definitely. much talent there Croatia, Serbia you know, countries like that I, I just think technically Whatever they're doing over there at a very young age with, with these kids um, is working, and, and you say that you no know, Croatia's performance in the World Cup um, is is proof of that. You no, know, they, they're obviously the guys who are now are now seasoned international, some of the, the biggest clubs in the world. But no matter, I just think no matter who you play. Uh, I remember Aberdeen playing Rijeka a few years ago. Another kind of unknown quantity for us um, but very good technically I remember Derek McInnes no praising them to the to the hilt um, so that you know that's, that's what you'll be up against but still you would, you would hope that Rangers will have will have other qualities um, that can see them can see them get a positive result I see it's been reported in terms of the team lineup that um, a number of players are going to make way in this game Stephen Gerrard dropping Ross McCrory Daniel Candias and Josh Windass with Lasana Koulibaly, Ryan Kent and uh, Ovi Ajaria said to come in. How do you assess those changes? I'm not surprised, Johnny, to be honest. I know it's, it might seem like, like wholesale changes. It might seem like a bit of a gamble. Uh, obviously, new boys coming in for their first taste of it. Ajaria's played uh, had a couple of sub-appearances, but I'm not surprised because I think having watched Rangers in these early games 
Ross McCrory, as much as I like him and I think he's a promising young player, I think he struggled in there as the, the deep line midfield player. Um, I think Ryan Jack at this stage has got has get more to offer. I fully fit Ryan Jack, um, I think, is better in that role at the moment. Ejaria has impressed in the couple of sub-appearances. I commented on it last week in Macedonia watching the game though, for 70 odd minutes you're looking at Windas, Kandias you know, guys playing in that attacking third where you're looking for them to open uh, open Scoopy up it didn't happen, I thought they toiled pretty badly, I mean, some people thought it was a decent performance I mean, I, I, wasn't, I think if you're listening to Stephen Gerrard after it, no, he certainly wasn't, uh, wasn't too happy with it Ejaria comes on and within a minute He's played a lovely slide rule pass in, be- in behind their defence and young Glenn Middleton should have scored. He was he was clean through and goal. So Ejaria has shown up well and Gerard's decided to throw him in. Uh, and Ryan Kent, obviously he's only been with the squad two or three days. But the good thing about him is he's taken and Gerard touched on this yesterday, he's taken part in Liverpool's full pre season. He's done a couple of games uh, already for them, so he's He's fully fit. He's he's ready to go. He's had a full pre-season under Jurgen Klopp, um, and that's obviously why Gerald's decided to throw him in. And I think this is a. No, Gerald spoke about it. His press conference in the papers today about uh, kind of making players realise that they're going to need to fight for a a jersey. And no, he feels that some people have cruised into the cruised into the Rangers team to use his expression and and get comfortable and and complacent. And as harsh as it sounds, I think guys like Candias and Windas are part of that. I think it has been too easy for them to play for Rangers every week you know, without really producing top-level performances. And I think if that is the team, and this is what Gerrard's decided to do, it's it's pretty bold. I think it's the right decision. But crucially, it's a warning to guys like Windas and Candias. Look... You're by no means certain starters, and you're going to need to show me more if you want to be want to be part of this going forward. In terms of the overall result that would be acceptable, do you think that it was a case that you'd say a draw of any kind would be a very very good result? Take them back to Ibrox. I mean, Gerard and his presser, he talked about his experience, which is obviously vast, yeah. of European football, and that it's important that you stay in the tie. That's yeah. the most important thing because while you can. Uh, you can certainly uh, not win that yeah. that leg in that first game. You can absolutely lose it, I think was his quote. Yeah. So is it a case that any kind of draw or maybe narrow defeat, especially if there's an away goal scored, would be a decent result for Rangers? I'm not sure about it. I don't think you'd be happy with any defeat, uh, Johnny. I think, I think a win would be a very good result. Any kind of win, obviously, that goes without saying. A draw... No, I don't think Stephen Gerrard's standards are so high his expectations will be so high even this early no, I think he'll view a draw as a decent result I think he'll want to score over there no, to take back to Ibrox if he can um, I think football in that sense has changed no, kind of modern football's changed in the last few years I think away teams now um, it used to be the case that you went away from home and if you could just keep a clean sheet no, that was that was what, that was a great result, and that's really what you wanted. Teams are so good at counter attacking now. Exactly, teams going out, teams away from home now are so more they are they seem more dangerous than than they used to be. Certainly when I was 
growing up watching watching these European games. Um, so he'll want to he'll want to score over there and bring it back to Ibrox. Uh, so listen, I think a one each or a two each, he'd be pretty pretty satisfied. He'd be confident of going through. But I've no doubt that uh, what he what he really want is to to go over there and, and try and win the game. Moving on slightly, we mentioned Ryan Kent there coming out of the side for his debut. That's now the fourth signing Rangers have made that's a, that's on loan. It's forty percent of the total signings. Now we've seen some success in terms of loans in the past, um, but we've seen also a lot of failure from teams, especially in the sort of the high level of the English Premiership. You bring them up. Even someone who was a big success like Vladimir Weiss showed his exceptional quality in a, a decisive moment in a League Cup final when he played a ball through to Jelovic that essentially won that game. Even he was only a sprinkling of that kind of quality. He yeah, wasn't a consistent performer. Agree. So the question I would have is, is there a case for concern with regards to so many loan players coming in in, in terms of the historical context of how they've performed these type of players? Yeah, it's always, I think loan players, it's always a concern. Um, I think it's twofold. One, as you say, is the historical element that it very rarely works, or I think we, I think the Rangers and Celtic, no, it's it's been a rare occurrence when somebody's came in and really hit the ground running on loan and, and went and been on to be a, or went on to be a real consistent performer. Um, and I think the other reason it's a concern is that it's it's so short term. No, if you're if you're looking at, at Rangers or, or whoever and you've got a vision for the, the kind of future of the club, no, I, I think I think you're within your rights to say, look, we don't want too many loan signings because we're trying to build something here, we're trying to we're trying to look to the future. No, I know people could argue the likes of Ryan Kent might be available. No, if if he has a good year at Rangers there might be an option to go and to go and buy him. Uh, I mean, we're talking about success stories. Uh, no, people that haven't been a success coming in alone. But I suppose you could say Jamie Murphy came in last season and was excellent. But you kind of knew with Murphy that the option was always there to, to buy, and it was almost a, a done deal. I mean, it was a, a permanent. Transfer the French would call it a fait accompli, Scott. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so there is no. You do get guys like that coming in, and it, and it works out fine. But no, I think you're right. It, it's any fan, if they're being if they're being honest with themselves, wouldn't want too many loan signings in. Um, Do you feel that this would be the last one really that they can get away with before fans start to say this is too many? Unless it's a huge name like a Dominic Solanke or a Jermaine Defoe type. I was going to say, I mean, Solanke is obviously the one. It's only my personal opinion, but you do get the feeling. That, that Gerard's waiting on Solanke and, and, and to find out what his availability is going to be because he definitely needs another striker in even with, with Omar Sadiq coming in another lone player Scott um, I'm going to stop you there because we, we did have a question on this from a regular listener uh, yep. at RSM310 who says how genuine are the chances of Solanke what would you put it as a percentage Scott, that's, be the bookie. That's hard. That's hard to say. I think at the moment, it's. I don't think the chances are that are that great. I think. I really think you're looking at kind of, kind of forty percent chance, maybe less than half. Only because. 
Only because there'll be so many teams want Solanke for a start. English clubs will be all over him. Premier League clubs will be all over him if he's available. Also, you're looking at Liverpool's dealings. I believe they're trying to get Danny Ings out. They're trying to get Divock Origi out. So Solanke suddenly goes up the the pecking order. <clears throat> no, I don't know what Jurgen Klopp's thinking in terms of who else he wants to bring in. I mean, he signed four players this summer, I think, for like 170 million. Maybe their spending is over and, that, and that's it. But I think the understanding with from Liverpool, from the other podcast that I do, is that Salah may come over to this more central role. They've also got uh, Firmino that can play in the central role. They've also got um, Daniel Sturridge, who is coming back well, from that, a period of injury. The, the front three for Liverpool picked themselves, right? Firmino, Salah and Manny. They've brought Shaqiri in who I think will be a kind of backup, if you like, who can play either side, can even play through the middle if, if needed. And then you've got the, the kind of enigma that is Daniel Sturridge, who, as we know, on his day, can be an absolute world beater and, and has been on their pre-season and has looked looked sharp again after uh, going out and loan last season. If Sturridge comes back in as, you know, a real, as a challenger, as a contender for Klopp, that would increase the chances of Solanke, Solanke moving out. Um, but it's just a waiting game for Rangers and whoever else is interested in Solanke. And by that, I mean you could literally have to wait to the last day of the window, by, by which stage the, the Scottish Premiership season's well up and running, obviously. Um, that's how late it could be before Liverpool decide exactly you know, who they want who they want their squad to be um, or, or who Klopp wants the, the strikers to be so it's no, it's a bit of a dangerous game for Rangers if they are waiting on, on Solanke obviously if they don't get him at, at the last minute but he's clearly somebody that Gerard would be interested in and in terms of no, a, a proper centre forward coming in like we've spoke about before I know Solanke doesn't have the experience that you'd maybe want uh, he's not got that yet, but he looks. If not for him, that's watched him. He's a. He looks like a proper centre forward in terms of his his physique, his mobility, his power, strength. Um, so clearly, it would be a it'd be a good sign if they could get him. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to move on to the news that Martin Waghorn is said to be close to an eight million pound move to Derby. This is all. This all comes little more than a year after Rangers sold the player on for 250000 uh, Now, we've broke the story today that there's also a 10% sell-on clause in that, so £8 million pounds would uh, equate to 800000 coming to the Rangers' coffers. Do you think that the club have a history of selling players on the cheap? And is Waghorn emblematic of that? I, I look at the player and, and the spell that he had in the year prior to him leaving and I don't think there were many voices amongst either the Rangers support or the media suggesting that Martin Wycorn was a player with real potential and I don't think you would find anyone who would have possibly imagined that he could go for £8 million. Pounds. I mean, Odds Network cost £9 million. Uh, I think that, the, to be fair, I think the deal could eventually get to £8 million. I don't think that'll be the initial transfer fee, I think they're talking if he you know, if he hit certain targets or whatever, Derby might end up having to pay eight million. But even so, it's still a big 
a big fee, an unexpected fee for Martin Wagner. What I would say about him is, when he first arrived at Rangers, I remember his first few games, and I thought he was very good. <laughs> I'm mean, honest. I thought he was terrific in the first season, Scott. I, but it was the Championship. I know, and so many. I mean, Jason Holt. I mean, I think I called him the Govan Iniesta at one point. <laughs> 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 and he, you know, like there was a definitive jump in class that was so obvious when they went from the championship to the Premiership, yeah, and a lot of the players struggled with of that. Course, of course, Waghorn was one of them. Of course, there was, but I still think Martin Waghorn, Andy looking at him as a as a footballer, would see that well, a lot of the kind of core ingredients there for what you want, or from what you'd want as a as a striker, were there. You no, know, in terms of the power and the physique and. No, a decent ability, no, either coming in off the side or, or playing through the middle. I mean, I thought when Rangers sold him, he'd went through a really bad patch, but the club had went through a really bad spell, and he was tarred with the kind of, no, tarred with the same brush as a lot of the kind of Mark Warburton era players and punters. Just wanted him out the door as quick as possible because they seen this new dawn under Pedro Cachinho, which obviously turned into a, a disaster. Um, I mean, what I'm trying to say is, when you were looking at guys to get out the door, no Martin Wagon. If Martin Wagon had stayed at Rangers, I, I don't. I don't think many would have. I don't think too many would have been, no, angry about it. I think he was, I don't think he was one of the worst. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I think he had certain qualities. Could I possibly see them going for this money? Of course not. But he starts in the championship. Sixteen goals, eleven assists. If you produce that in that league, because we all know it's like mega hyped and gets so much exposure, there's so much money floating around. If you produce those kind of uh, figures and stats, then clubs are going to look at you. That's just, I mean, I, I, I did a wee uh, column for the Sunday Mail on Sunday talking about the Aberdeen value and Scott McKenna at £10 million pounds and why up here we automatic sort of instinct, instinctive reaction to laugh at I that, laughed right? when I was told that but and there's no way Scott McKenna's worth 10 million quid but why should we laugh at it because in England you know, what a player's really worth is pretty irrelevant you know, it's it's what a buying club is willing to, to pay for him if they like him and they like uh, they like what he's what he's produced. It's, a, it's, it's emblematic of this overheated market down there. We, yeah, we had this massive set of uh, uh, articles that seemed to come out from England about the the positive of quality in Scottish football, as evidenced by Adam Rooney's move from Aberdeen, yeah. the second best club in Scotland, uh, in terms of where they performed last year, down to South Salford City, who are obviously in the fifth tier, and that somehow being representative of how bad Scottish football was. But you could see. Um, toss a coin in the opposite direction and you say well Martin Waghorn uh, didn't really perform in Scotland yeah. didn't do very well and look he's going for 8 million now or Joey Barton who was the best midfield player in the championship exactly. came up and was schooled by Ali Crawford at Hamilton it's this, it's this great argument about the comparing the Scottish Premiership and the English Championship basically and you could go on all, all day debating about it personally I actually don't think the standard is that different. I think maybe you'll get a top six, top six in the championship, with maybe be a level above. You no, know, you look at your Wolves in that last year. Yeah. You no, know, very good side clearly. Um, Cardiff the same. I think you would. I don't think they're any better than Celtic though. 
Oh no, no, no I wouldn't say better than better than Celtic. No, I mean Celtic are. Well, I've played in the Champions League the last few years. Um, beat very good teams in qualifiers and stuff like that. So, but I mean just in in general. Yeah. If you're looking at the English Championship, there will be four or five teams at the top who you'd say right they're no better than Scottish Premiership. And if players were moving there, you'd think right that's a a genuine kind of step up in, in class. But the rest of that Championship, you watch some of the games. The standard of football, as I say, it's overhyped because of sky, because of parachute payments that give, you know, like that, that allow clubs like Derby to go and spend eight million on on Martin Wycombe. Um But I mean, going back to the the Adam Rooney thing, anybody that knows Scottish football or has watched Scottish football in the last few years, with no disrespect to Adam Rooney, they'll realise that. Adam Rooney hasn't been one of the best players in Scotland for, for two or three years now. Um, he's obviously you know, at the kind of latter stages of his career. I think when he was you know, three or four years ago, when he was banging goals in, you could have said maybe one of the one of the better players in Scottish football, but um I don't think it uh, I don't think it should be a slight at all in Scottish football that Adam Rooney's gone there. We all know about Salford City. No, who's behind them? The money they're spending. It's honestly, it wasn't a surprise. I know people. Are, I think Jim White said he was flabbergasted. I mean, to us up here, and that's watched Adam Rooney and watched Scottish football will know um, that 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 wasn't a surprise to me at all. The economics of football now are so prevalent. Yeah. But perhaps they always were. It was just that we were on the positive side of it. For example, Ronald De Boer going from Barcelona to Rangers. I'd imagine people in Holland would be saying. Why on earth is Ronald De Boer going to Rangers? Yeah. Um, here's you've got a world class player, he could be going to Liverpool, Manchester United or whatever. At the time, simply, yeah. Rangers had an enormous well, amount of money and were prepared to pay players more than they would get anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. On top of the fact they were a big club with a huge yeah. uh, fan base who, who were playing in Europe every week, but it's simple like, economics. Yeah. yeah. Players are going to go and look after their, their families by taking the best deal possible. Um, what about in terms of Rangers selling players on then um, do you think that's something that uh, Mark Allen will be looking at that the strategy for moving players in future is it perhaps that if you're moving someone down to the English Championship that you look at a loan year because if they go down there and they have a season like Martin Waghorn's had you keep hold of them and you say well if they do that they've really put themselves in the short window for a big move yeah possibly uh, or you do what Rangers have uh, have done me back on in terms of the, the sell on fee. I mean it seems it seems to me now it's a kinda of modern day uh, phenomenon the, the sell on fee now. I mean you, I don't think you heard of it that much years ago, but it seems every player now seems to have a always used to insist on one in football manager, mate. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, my Hibs teams are the <laughs> late nineties. But dep- I suppose it depends on it depends on the player's age as well. Um no, they need to be young enough that you think it'll be worth putting a putting a sell on fee yeah. uh, in there. And with Wagcon, no, you need to hold your hands up. It wasn't an obvious one. Selling Martin Wagcon back down to the championship. I'm I'm amazed that Rangers have, have included the sell on fee. Fair fair play to them for that because it wouldn't have been something that uh, occurred to me if I was the, the set as much as I've said I like Martin Wagcon thought he was a decent player. Going to Ipswich in the championship no one of the less glamorous clubs you're not really thinking he's going to go there and, uh, and light the place up and move to another move to another big club he probably didn't think he had another big move in him so if Rangers have secured 
uh, a sell on and they're going to get no a, a fee no half a million or, or more then uh, as I say f- fair play to them for that in terms of the, this, you're saying about the selling strategy definitely that's if a player fits the profile even if you don't think he's got a future at Rangers there was obviously a reason why you brought him to Rangers in the first place so surely you need to safeguard yourself and if you can get a 10% included or as you say put them out on loan the only thing with the loan you may be reluctant if you're still paying some of the wages and you, yeah. you're just desperate to get them off the off the wage bill because for everyone that would have turned out like Waghorn you've probably got 10 that would turn out like Joey Garner where yeah, they jo- go down there Joe Dodo something like that exactly so. It's it's about picking the it's about picking the right ones, but as I say, modern day, it seems like the like the done thing. You need you need to need to try and uh, safeguard yourself and, and try and get something back. Should especially in that overheated market, as as you say. I wonder if it will inform the policy regarding Josh Windass because, frankly, the rumours surrounding him and a, and a potential move down south just don't seem to go away. Yeah. Um, he's been linked with West Ham and Cardiff. Now, personally, I just think the the, the, the link to West Ham's laughable because they've got Lanzini, they've just bought um, Philippi Anderson, they've got Manuel Pellegrini, they've also signed uh, Jack Wilshere. They're, they're not in the market for a Josh Windass type project. So I just, I don't see where that link is coming from at all. But Cardiff, you can absolutely see happening. Um, now, what would Rangers find an acceptable fee? And do you think that Windass is that kind of player that could go down to Cardiff and end up being worth 10, 12, 15 million? Well, he is because of his because of his age, as I say, because of the profile of the player. As I say, even if you don't think he's going to cut it at Rangers or you just think his time at Rangers is up, as much as I don't think Josh Windass is a Premiership, an English Premier League player, certainly at the moment, I don't think he's worth those kind of figures that you're talking about. Because of his age, because of the profile of the player, you would still safeguard yourself. And if Rangers are going to sell him, I'm convinced they will have a a sell-on clause with Windass if he was to go um, in this window. I think you could possibly argue the same about about Wes Fodderingham, who we we believe they're, they're also trying to get out the door. I think if he goes, that would be a championship club as well. But again, because of because his age, because of why you brought him to the club in the first place, because, I mean, the, the day Wes Fodringham signed, Mark Warburton was touting him as a, a future England goalkeeper. So, again, you would want to safeguard yourself. It, it might not work out, as I say, because there's, there's also a reason why the players haven't quite cut it for Rangers at, at Scottish Premiership level. But of course, if you're selling it to England because of that market, why wouldn't you try and get a, a sell-on clause included? T- in terms of Windass, I think if an offer came in for Josh Windass that was anywhere in the region of two and a half, three million pounds, Rangers would, would look at that. Um, and I don't know the player personally, but no, you would need to think if the if it was a decent club in England, decent sized club at a good level, no, either top end of the championship or bottom end of the, the Premiership, like a Cardiff, as you say, um, I think that might appeal to him. Um, I don't doubt he enjoys life at Rangers, and he's had he's had a good time up here, despite not having the success that the team 
uh, with a with a kind of craved, um, but he's taken a lot of stick. I don't think the punters are are totally convinced by him even now. Um, no, we're talking about the team for the night. Windass maybe maybe been left out after a couple of indifferent performances. So, as I say, I think if Rangers get a decent offer, considering the amount of players Stephen Gerrard's brought in, they need to get one or two out the door for a fee. I would imagine to try and recoup a wee bit of, a wee bit of cash, and Windass could be could be one of those. Moving slightly um, askew to something a bit different, uh, it's been announced that the uh, Development League has been binned and replaced with the much desired by ex-pros Reserve League. Uh, the detail of this, that it was felt that younger players would stand a greater chance of progressing and developing if they were able to play alongside more experienced teammates on a regular basis. It's going to be an 18-team top tier, which... Uh, actually only includes one game against each uh, each team, yeah. so it's only 17 games. Um, if the games end in a draw, there's going to be Betfred Cup-style penalties to get an extra point. Now, you can have five overage players in the current Development League system, but this has been changed now that there's no limit on the amount of overage players that can play. So you could literally, Celtic could play a full team of... Yeah. 30 year olds if they, if, if they wanted to or Rangers could do that or anyone could do that um, the only requirement is that the players be over 16 or over um, what do you make of this? Is this a good move for Scottish football? Ultimately I think it is a good move um, whether it will make a massive difference I know to the quality of young players coming through I'm not sure. Um, you can't argue with the theory because we've heard it so exactly, many times. I mean, Alex yeah, Ray was I talking totally about it. I agree with it. And Andy McLaren, in. Charlie Miller, you speak to all of these guys, it benefited them so much. No, you speak to Andy McLaren, I think his first game, Dundee United Reserve, 16 year old, playing against Billy, Billy Abercrombie for St Mirren. And it's absolutely cemented him after like, the first, first five minutes. And Andy, no, it obviously boils down to the personality, but. Certainly Andy felt that that was a real wake-up call for him. It toughened him up. You know, it got him used to playing against older older players. So I tend to agree with that. I like the idea of the young boys playing alongside more experienced ones, playing against experienced ones. The under-20s development league you know, wasn't working. I mean, it was just that. It was a nothing. It was like, a, like an empty vacuum to me. I mean, I don't know. There was nobody... Watching any of the games, nobody well, could really. That, that's a great point, Scott. But that's one of my concerns about this change is that they're going to play the games on a Monday. Yeah, that that's a problem. That's where it's that that's where a lot of the arguments we're talking about kind of fall down a wee bit. Um, Surely they'd want to have people attending to create yeah, an atmosphere well, akin to the big it, game exactly. environment. If, if you're going to go back to those days that we're talking about, you no, know, when we were or we did seem to be producing players and we were getting to. Major tournaments, etc. No, the reserves were playing on the same day as the as the first team. No, if, if Rangers were away to Hearts on a Saturday, Rangers reserves would be playing Hearts at Ibrooks at, at two o'clock on a Saturday or at one o'clock on a, on a Saturday. Or may, maybe change a date. Maybe it'd be the Sunday or whatever. But around the same time, and you would get. No, I remember it used to be the case that no, if you had a season ticket at Ibrooks. No, and you couldn't go to away games, or you couldn't quite get through to Tynecast or, or Tannadice or whatever. You would just go to the reserve game and see the next. You would either, you, no, you would either go and see 
the young guys coming through that you that you'd heard about were kind of you know, in the system and were about to make the make the breakthrough, or you could go and see guys coming back from injury. I mean, there's the if you remember right, uh, Ian Durant's comeback for injury. Twenty thousand. Like Twenty thousand. I think. Mm. I think you might be saying Duncan Ferguson's comeback as well. There was a lot of fans there. Uh, no people with long-term injuries. Another one that sticks in my mind is like Oleg Kuznetsov, who signed for a huge fee. Obviously, got a bad injury in his first his first couple of games, but people were excited to see how's he how's he getting on, how's he going to look when he comes back. However, despite all of that. I think this only really works with a few of the bigger clubs because they've got the big enough squads. You mentioned Celtic. Celtic's squad is so big, they could play a full team and it, and it would be beneficial for talking sake for guys like, no, just say the young boy Ewan Henderson at Celtic coming through is really, really highly rated kind of attacking midfielder. No, it would be good for him to play alongside let's say a Tom Rogic or something who's coming back trying to get a bit of, a bit of fitness or playing with like Lee Griffiths because mm-hmm. Griffiths is out the, the first team I've ever played alongside that that would be good but really Mullerwell St Mirren Kilmarnock St Johnson if they get big enough squads that we're going to see a lot of experienced players I, my fear is that with a lot of these clubs it will essentially still be the under twenties team that plays. Yeah, and I think Hamilton will be a great benefit. Hamilton only have five players over the age of twenty five. Yeah. So for, for that that is the pro- and I worry as well that at Rangers and Celtic that it does become a reserve team with literally reserve professional players. Yeah. And then it's another layer of difficulty in terms of those young guys to get a game. Because you saw that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. That yeah. it was difficult to even get in the reserves but, of these clubs. But, but I don't think that. But is that a bad thing, really? I mean, these young boys. I think that could actually be. I think that was one of the reasons why it worked because, you know, you get like a Charlie Miller coming through at Rangers, and, he, and Charlie said it himself. No, he was the best player at under sixteen, under eighteen level. Thought right, this is this is great. I'm the best best guy in here on the on the ground staff. Best player here. But you're look no, he's thinking about going out the first team, but you're looking at the reserves and you're seeing Kuznetsov, Mikhailachenko, Durant, no and he's thinking it's gonna be hard just to get into the just to get into the reserves to get past. That's the kind of level and the kind of standards I think we'd love to we'd love to try and get try and get back to. So if it's a challenge, surely that's what these young players need. They need to be challenged more, they need to see no, a reserve team that's got loads that's got first team guys in it who can't get a game and they need to look at those players and think, God, I'm gonna to need to be better than them or I'm going to, need to go in and play with them and mix it with them to even get a chance of looking at the looking at the first team. I think that's the whole point in it. But again, the further down the league you go, you know, you like you say, your Hamilton, St Mirren's, Motherwell's and that, I don't really I don't expect to see loads of experienced guys for their I might be wrong, maybe like Amala well, there'll be six guys who are fairly experienced, don't play on the Saturday, so they go straight into the reserves on a Monday. I think if you look at most of the teams in the Scottish Premiership, look at their bench on a Saturday, it's not filled with experienced pros that kind of get a game, it's filled with young up-and-coming, uh, young up-and-coming players. So whether we'll see a huge difference, I don't know. But listen, it sounds like after 
the under twenties development league, which I say I don't think uh, has done any. I don't think it's been of any benefit at all, really. Um, you speak to players that have played in it. You speak to coaches and managers. Um, it's it's no. I don't think it brings these players on. So this has to be a, a positive step, um, even though it might just be a, a small one. Yeah, there seems to be an acceptance that it breeds tippy tappy football, the sort yeah. of Guardiola football, but without the real cutting edge that you find in, yeah. in top level pro- professional game. I suppose the question that Rangers fans will have is how does this affect the games programme? Because we've not had much information in terms of whether or not that's continuing. You have to probably assume that it's not, given that they've not announced anything. I'm not sure. I think the fact that it's only a 17 game season might allow Rangers to still do what they've done in terms of playing against your Man United's and your you know, PSG's and whoever else they, they went up against Bayern Munich. So it seems, seems they were very happy with the, the outcomes of that. It does. And listen, again, like this, it might only be a small step, but playing against Bayern Munich or Liverpool or PSG, that has to improve young players. Surely it has to show young players the level they're going to need to, they're going to, need to get to, as opposed to, with all due respect, playing against a, a Dumbarton or a Morton or something in the... In the under twenties league or, a, or Queen's Park or whatever. So, did you not hear a good anecdote about that? About um, how being tested by different styles, different formations could help Rangers. Certainly, I know when Rangers played Liverpool at Ibrox in one of these games. The no Liverpool. Ironically, I think Steven Gerrard was the, the manager of Liverpool uh, at that time or the coach. But uh, Rangers, if you listen to the Rangers youth coaches, Liverpool played a system that night. I don't know what it was, but they played a formation that Rangers young players had never come up against, you know, domestically in, in Scotland. Um, and they feel that was of real benefit because they had to they had to make changes during the game. The coach had to make changes. The players within themselves had to problem solve, which is a thing that you no know, coaches keep going on about. They want young players to to be able to problem solve themselves on the pitch and react to you know, different systems or different formations. So that's what you're going to get coming up against a Liverpool or a Bayern Munich or a PSG compared to you know, just your run-of-the-mill Scottish Scottish clubs if you're playing uh, playing them on a weekly, a weekly basis. So again, I think that's of benefit. I expect Rangers to still do that as much as they can I think the 17 game season in the reserves allows you to play more games to fit more games in let's be honest you could fit another 10-12 games into a a season which could be against these kind of glamour clubs in Europe so I think this is another step in terms of where certainly Rangers and Celtic want to be with, with the kind of youth structure we know that they want Colts teams coming into the coming into the SPFL. That might still be a wee bit away, but that's ultimately where they want to get to. And I think this is just another step to to eventually getting that. I think they'll be pretty pleased that the reserve league's back. But at the same time, Rangers will have the games program, and Celtic obviously have their, uh, or they'll hope to have their UEFA. Champions League or UEFA Youth Champions League where they went up against your PSGs and Man Cities and stuff like that. That's got that's got to help these got to help these young players. Okay, Scott, and now the end is near, but before we go, a wee prediction for tonight's game. I'm gonna go for one each. 
Yeah, I, I agree actually, but to be really, really uh, dull, go for the same thing, but I think it'll be another uh, difficult game akin to the Scoopy Scoopy game, yeah. and I think um, Rangers will be quite tight, they'll look to hit on the break. I think they'll be better than Scoopy, I think they'll pose more of a threat. Uh, no, Rangers did quite well, apart from the chance really late on when McGregor pulled off a kind of point-blank save. Rangers did well to limit them to any real chances, but I think they're going to need to defend even better tonight. I think this team, a couple of the boys you mentioned that they've got in their, in their ranks, Rangers are going to need to be really concentrated, um, not to give away anything silly, especially early on. Big um, test of the Jari, uh, sorry, um, uh, Ryan Jack and uh, Koulibaly and that sort of double pivot. Yeah. You're going to be expected to do a lot of the screening, a lot of the dirty work. Definitely. Okay, guys, well, that's all from us this week. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can by tweeting us at Johnny R. McFarlane for me and at Scott McDermott 8 for Scott. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Don't